Well, praise God, man. I'm so glad y'all are here this morning to hear Brother Ivan. If you're the first time visitor here and you've never been uh, in a service with uh, Brother Ivan Tate, well, uh, just to give you a little bit of a background, he's been a friend of mine for 30 years. We've worked all over the world together building orphanages and churches and Bible schools and different things. He's one of the, and I, I say this, and I'm not trying to, you know, like blow smoke. I'm just saying he's one of the greatest men of God that I know. He hears from heaven. He uh, is, is exactly the same in the pulpit as he is at my house. And that means a lot to me because I want to know somebody's real. And so uh, I know his family, been a part of his family and for all these years and seen them grow up. And anyway, he's just, he's an amazing man. He could be anywhere in the world, in any church in the world, but God has given him an assignment to be with us. And I'm glad that the Lord loves us so much that he makes him come here. And so, uh, but he loves to be in Utopia. And so, uh, but I'm glad God worked all this out. So uh, without any further ado, come on, Brother Ivan. Come on, y'all give him a hand clap. Thank you, Pastor Robert. Good morning, everybody. Oh, boy. You know, I love when people say nice things about me. I like that. None of them are true, but it's all good still. Um, just very quickly, before we get going, um, for those of you that like to get educated, and Christianity is not a Sunday morning event for you, but it's all week, and, and you realize by now that Christianity doesn't work without being radical. Like casual Christianity does not work. Distant observing of Christianity does not work. Unless you're sold out, totally invested, jump all the way in, become completely possessed by God, then your Christianity will be fractured. It will be minimal. It will not contain within it the sovereign interventions of God will not contain in it the miraculous, the supernatural. It will not contain in it the visible, tangible presence of God. It will not contain in it the fulfillment of the promises in the Bible. They will all just be hope. And so at some point, you have to go from hope to substance. At some point, your hope has to become reality. And that only happens to people that have an ongoing, intimate, very genuine, authentic relationship with God where it's a daily thing. You are in relationship with him more than you are with anyone else in your life. Like, I don't talk to my wife all day. She doesn't even like me to. She says, you're calling too much. Stop calling. You have nothing to say. You're just staring at me on the phone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I don't get that from God. He just looks at I can look at him and say, wow, you're, uh, you know, you're amazing. And you can say that over and over, and he won't leave. He won't say you're stalking me. 
I go to a room, you go. I get up, you get up. I sit down, you sit down. It's strange. Because that's human. God won't do that. And if you're not possessed, then remember that you're going to misinterpret God. You will misinterpret who he is, how he acts, how he behaves, what he does, what he doesn't do. And your whole Bible will be a misinterpretation. That Bible is a locked book, and it can only be unlocked by a certain type of heart. So you don't want to end up with just religion, because religion to God is ashes. Matter of fact, it says it's filthy rags. Those are the menstrual rags of women, if you look that word up. Bloody rags. That's religion. But a relationship with God, that's different. You either have one or you don't. So the, the benefits of today's service, today and tonight, the benefits of those services will depend on the level of your hunger to actually know God and to walk with God. That's what it's going to depend on. Whatever blessings you get, however beautiful your marriage becomes, however great your children become, you're going to have to fight against contentment. and Just saying, I like what I have. I want to keep what I've got. I don't need anything more. This is good enough for me. Those attitudes will basically stall and put you in reverse when it comes to your spiritual life. You have to be, maintain a seeking attitude day and night. You seek God when you're going to bed. You seek God when you wake up. You see God in the middle of the day. doesn't mean you won't go to heaven. It just means the quality of your life here on earth will not match the promises of God. It's like when you got married and your husband said all these things. I love you. I will love you forever. You're the woman in my life. And then you started gaining weight. Having gas all over the house. These things were not prepared for. And it changes the relationship. Hallelujah. Give someone a high five and say, this is more than I can handle. How did we make this wrong turn into this church? I thought this was a Episcopalian church. My God. So, we have some books, new books. Um, our latest book is The Lovable You. This is basically step-by-step step on becoming Christ-like, how to become a person that does not make other people stumble by the, your personality and the way you act. Very in-depth, a lot of stuff there that will really bless you. Um, also, Woman Defined, for all you women, if you don't have this book, you ought to get it. It would change your life. All of Proverbs 31 in detail. Uh, Love Fixes Things, which is a new book. It comes with all the CDs as well that you can digitally download. 365 Things Your Children Should Know Before They Leave Your House. One-line things with scripture. Untouchable, which is everything you need to know about Satan's strategies and tactics to destroy your life and how to dismantle that. 
um, letters from God for children that will reconnect you to your children and train them. Letters from God for you as an adult, daily devotional that will bless you. And the prophetic parent, how to be a, a, a parent that prophetically raises your children to enter their destiny. Praise the Lord. So that's what we got for you over there. Untouchable comes with 11 hours of training on that. So, hallelujah. Are you ready? All right, let's go to the Bible. And uh, let's go to Psalm 144, verses 1 and 2. So, what I'm doing this morning and tonight is a continuation of what I began last time, which was the weaponized believer. I want you to think about this because you know it's true that you are in a war. So let me give you some review of last time for those of you that were not here. You're in a battle. You're in a war. Life is pain. Life is painful. Things do not go the way you want them to all the time. You cannot control things, and you cannot control people. This is very inconvenient. It would be so much better if everybody did what I wanted you to do. Be like I want you to be. However, that's not life, and that's not the way it is. So you have a lot of enemies that are coming against you. You have a lot of battles that you're going to be in, a lot of fights that you're going to be in emotionally, internally, externally. You're going to have battles of every kind. So last time we taught you the seven battlefields of life. All the other battlefields come under one of those seven battlefields. The first one was your DNA. Your DNA is what you were given that you did not ask for that made you how you are. So you have your genes and you have your DNA. They're all pre-programmed. This is what we said, that the DNA you have was in somebody else before it was in you. As a matter of fact, it's been in thousands of people before it was in you. They pre-programmed that DNA that's now in you. So you got two crazy people giving you crazy things. Right? So don't hate yourself for being weird, strange, and twisted. It's not your fault. You did not ask for it, but you must deal with it. If the people before you did not deal with it, then they fed the wrong thing. So your DNA then is defined by your desires, your urges, your impulses, your addictions, your tendencies, your personality, your mindset, your general way of acting and reacting to things, your violence, your nonviolence, your perversion, your non-perversion, your standards, your lack of standards, your morality, your lack of morality, all of these things are already inside you in DNA form. And in the Bible, your DNA is called your old man. It's called your carnal nature. It's called your Adamic nature. It's called your flesh. That's what we're all born with. We are all born sinners, every single person. You start sinning as soon as you're born. On the very moment you're born, you begin throwing a fit. You begin screaming and yelling and screaming and yelling until you get what you want. So from the very beginning, you're already under the curse of selfishness right away. And that goes on and on and on through life. Depends on who your parents are and how they help you overcome that. 
If they're lazy and selfish like you are, then you just become a bum basically <laughs> throughout life because the principle is what you feed grows and what you starve dies. So you are becoming carnally strong because you are feeding your carnality. You are becoming spiritually strong because you're feeding your new nature that you got at Calvary when you got saved. You see, many people make the mistake of getting their identity from who they are naturally. But you don't have to be who you are naturally. You can deny your DNA and receive the DNA of Jesus and become a new creature. Old things pass away and everything becomes new. So don't say, this is how I was born and this is how God made me. Excuse me? God did not make you the way you are. Adam made you the way you are. Now you've got a choice to deny that and say, I want to be the person God created me to be. I want to have the divine nature in me rule over my carnal nature. You don't get drunk by accident. You get drunk by DNA. Right. You love beer. Everybody before you were probably all drunks. And then you just inherit that gene to love liquor. You love the smell of it. You love the look of it. And it makes you happy. But that is not who you are. That's just the DNA you were born with. You have a choice. It's called Calvary. At that point, you can choose another DNA. So everybody raise your hands and say, I choose Jesus. Come on, lift your hands. I choose the DNA of Jesus. I reject the DNA of my forefathers. Every crazy cell, all nutty genes, I reject them all for the DNA of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to starve that to death, and I'm going to feed the Spirit of God inside me and become what God created me to be. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a little bit of praise and say thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So all of that and then all the other battlefields, the battlefield of the mind, the battlefield of the will, the battlefield of emotions, the battlefield of personality, the battlefield of desires, the battlefield of addiction, all that comes under that DNA and many others. Then you have the devil himself, a battle. However, the good news is according to Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, the devil is defeated. Everybody just say hallelujah. Three, then you have demons, and demons attach themselves to your DNA behavior. And so the more you act bad, the more you draw the attention of demons. And as you act bad long enough, you get anointed by demons to do those bad things. The demons, if you're lost, come in you. If you're not lost and saved, they partner with you and walk with you. It's like having someone there anointing you to do bad. The presence of evil is with you everywhere you go. And then... You have curses, which are the result of this behavior. You begin to develop curses in your life, and curses are the opposite of blessings. A blessing is everything good that God can give you, and a curse is everything bad that Satan can give you. Hallelujah. Look at two people and say, wow. Yeah, you're not poor and broke by accident. You're poor and broke by nature. Change your nature, you change your prosperity. Hallelujah. Why? Because God is not poor and God is allergic to poverty. And the Bible calls poverty a curse. 
Now, when you think of poverty, you're thinking of money, and that's just one aspect of it, but there's many levels of poverty. You can be poor in your personality, poor in your love, poor in your joy, poor in your peace, poor in your relationships, poor in your ethics, poor in your morals, poor in your family, poor in your marriage, all of it. Or you can be rich. You decide. What do you want? Rich or poor? That's right. We use finances and money to bless people. We use money to take care of orphans and widows, feed the poor, and build the local church. That's what we use our money for. Can everybody say hallelujah? hallelujah. Give somebody a high five. Say, how much are you carrying? I'll take it all today. Praise the Lord. So as we go on this little journey this morning, we look at these different things that we saw. We also see that people is a battlefield, so you're going to have a real problem with some of them. Uh, they're going to betray you, stab you in the back, hurt you, wound you, use you, abuse you, and many other things. Forsake you, abandon you, reject you, whatever. Strip you naked of your personality, rob you of your security. Many wicked things that people do, it's a real battlefield. And there's a battlefield of the world itself, the culture of the world, the way the world thinks, the mindset of the world, the way they see God, the way they see morality, the way they see holiness, the way they see the Bible, the way they see... There's a worldly view to everything, and that's a real battlefield that you're going to have to learn to master and to conquer, or you will be a worldly Christian. Worldly Christian don't get blessed. God can't bless the world in you. He can only bless himself in you. You want to get blessed, have Jesus in you and he'll bless you. You want to not get blessed, have the world in you and he won't bless you. These are my experiences from 51 years now of doing this. You can believe me or you can't believe me. I'm not crazy. I know what I'm doing. You're wrong. I'm right. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. So then you have circumstances, which is the seventh battlefield, and that's all the things that you inherit from family, inherit from people. You have relationships. Let's say you have 10 children. If you have 10 children, you're going to have a lot of crazy circumstances in your lifetime. It's not like just being alone and you're just at home. Nothing is happening. You're just by yourself. But if you have 10 children... And then they all get married, and they all have children. And some of them get divorced, and some of them do this. <laughs> you know, that's serious. you got some stuff to deal with. Hallelujah. Then we gave you the first weapons of a, of a, uh, that you have to master, because without weapons, how can you defeat the enemy? And the enemy is smarter than you are and more skilled than you are, so you must have superior weapons in order to overcome him. And that is the weaponry of the Bible, the first three being the word of God, the name of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus. Then we taught you the, the power, the, uh, the weapon of prayer, the weapon of praise, and the weapon of worship. Very powerful things. I think that's as far as we got. But this morning, I want to talk to you about being a soldier in this war. Turn to a couple of people and say these words. I am a soldier. Get to fighting or get out of my way. Let's say it again. I'm a soldier. Get to fighting or get out of my way. Let's say it again. I'm a soldier. Get to fighting or get out of my way. Because ladies and gentlemen, the cost of not fighting is too severe. It will cost you the souls of your children not going to heaven. It will cost your marriage falling apart. It will cost your body getting sick. 
and dying before your time. The cost of not fighting and not being a soldier is very serious. And so let's just start with this revelation. You are a soldier. You are a warrior. There's nothing you can do about it. So don't be a bad one. Don't be a soldier that gets beat up all the time. Oh, I'm getting beat up by my husband's personality. He drives me crazy. I can't stand him. Oh, God, please, can you just gently kill him and take him to heaven? I don't want him to have any pain, but I do want him to die so I can find another husband. Or my wife is driving me crazy. She never stops criticizing me. She finds fault with me. Nothing makes her happy. She literally criticizes my every physical function of my body. Well, if you don't have the tools to deal with crazy people in your midst that you're connected to, you're going to go crazy. And then if you marry the wrong person, thinking it was the right person because you were too stupid not to read your Bible and realize you're not supposed to marry people that aren't saved and that don't love God. But you did it anyway because you could save your husband. Now he's driving you crazy and you can't save him. Turn to seven people and say, wow, that was rather personal. I'm not sure I like that. What are you going to do? You've got to decide. We're not in a church this morning that is going to pamper you or offend you, if possible. Our goal is not to make you like us. But our goal is to bring you to a place of encountering God. That is the goal of this morning. If you don't encounter God, then I have failed doing what the Holy Spirit has told me. You need to be brought to a place where you have to make some decisions that will alter your life for the better. If you choose to reject that, that's between you and God. But we at least want to bring you to that point. So we started with a beautiful, absolutely beautiful worship service. Can we give a big holla holla to that? That was absolutely beautiful. Man, I'd never really heard Darcy sing before. She really has a great voice. Gosh, it sounds a little bit like Laura, but not quite, but a little bit. But it's beautiful. And then Laura over here melting the piano and everything. I mean, just beautiful. So you should be well-prepared if you entered into that worship, well-prepared for the sowing of the seed of the eternal, incorruptible Word of God. Hallelujah. Would you hug the person next to you and say, you're not getting old? It's not true. Look at him and say, those are not wrinkles. Those are pieces of art stuck on your face. Pieces of art stuck on your face. I like that. Psalm 144. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Can you say praise Jesus? What a powerful thing to say. What a powerful thing to declare. The Lord trains my hands for for war. Joel 3, 9 and 10. Proclaim this among the nations. 
Prepare for war. Shout and lift yourself up and cry out to the mighty men. Let all the soldiers draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Hallelujah. Look at somebody next to you and say, I am strong. We then read this scripture, very powerful, 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 7. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him. Everybody raise your hands and say, I want to please the one that enlisted me. Say it one more time. I am a soldier. Get to fighting or get out of my way. Do you believe you're in a war today? Do you believe you're in a war as a nation? Do you believe you're in a war politically? In religious realms? In spiritual realms? Physical realms? Demonic realms? Realms of ideology and beliefs, standards, ethics, morals, and everything decent is under attack. We have the superior weapons to our enemies because our enemies are actually naked in service to Satan, willingly or unwillingly. We, therefore, have been given weapons of the Spirit, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3, 4, and 5. Though I live in the flesh, I don't walk after it. For the weapons of my warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and everything that exalts itself above the revealed truth of God, bringing every thought into captivity and punishing all the disobedience of my life. Your weapons are mighty through God and supernatural and powerful. But as a soldier, you cannot de-volunteer. You cannot say, I don't really want to get involved in this fight. You can't say, I'm staying at home like King David did. It said when the time of war, when kings go out to war, David stayed home, Bathsheba took a bath, he committed adultery, murdered her husband, and so on and so forth. Because the danger of not being in war when war is raging is that you lose everything that is of any value in your life. Because the devil knows when you should be fighting that you have laid your weapons down and you're sleeping or sitting on a recliner watching TV while he's stealing everything in your house, every soul in your house, every belief in your house, every standard in your house, everything of any value in our country, everything of any value in your moral mind and in your spirit and family is being challenged right now and taken. And if the church doesn't rise up and assume the authority of a soldier and the power of a warrior and the weapons of a warrior, we are going down. You got to decide. Hallelujah. So let's look then at some of the things that a soldier has to do because the training for a general is not the same as the training for a private. Privates peel potatoes. 
soldiers lead thousands of armies into battle. So you've got to decide if you're going to be a private or if you're going to be a general in the armies of God. Well, the Lord determines that. Actually, no. You determine that. All is available to you. It's your choice how much of it you want. Don't blame God for your laziness. I just want to be nice to everybody and, and maybe give a little money to the church. Maybe go here or there. But I, 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 I just want to stay out of trouble. Just leave me alone. You're already lost. You've already been conquered. You're useless, unsanctified, and have no eternal value to all the poor souls that cross your path. Didn't feel the love on that? So I'm going to go over here and encourage myself for a little while. Praise God, Ivan. That was amazing preaching right there. Just that whole thing you said, the way you said it, the way you presented it, that was amazing. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. So, what is the anatomy of a soldier? What does a soldier do? You're a soldier. What does a warrior do? These are important things. The first thing that if you're going to be, have the lifestyle of a soldier, the first thing you have to do, Philippians 3.10, is you have to actually know God. Why some of you don't pray a lot is because the God you know is one-dimensional. You don't understand all the dimensions that God is and God contains. Once you learn the dimensions of God, your prayer life and relationship with God becomes multifaceted. So let's go through those real quick. First of all, the first relationship you have to have with God is as your Savior. Can everybody say hallelujah? Look at two people and say, you need to get saved. However, many Christians, all they do is get saved and that's it. Their journey ends there. A Savior saves you, but a Lord protects you. So if you just have Jesus as your Savior, you will still not have any protection because he is not the Lord, and only as a Lord can he protect you from everything around you. So what does it mean to have Jesus as your Lord, not just your Savior? This is an important question to have an answer to. Well, let's explain it in the simplest ways we can. Number one thing, if you have Jesus as your Lord, not just your Savior, you lose your free will. Huh? Wait a minute, I'm an independent individual. Oh, I'm sorry. You can do that as an atheist. This is Christianity. Jesus is Lord. Not my will, but his will be done. Now, if you don't like that, then you don't have a Lord. Just keep your Savior and hopefully you'll make it to heaven. 
But if you want to be protected from hell on earth, you need a Lord. What else does it mean? Oh, it means this. You don't have the right to have an opinion different than his. What? What did you say? Have you lost your mind? No. I don't have the right to have an independent opinion left other than God's if he is my Lord. I can do that if he's just my Savior. Then I'm like all atheists and agnostics, lost people, Buddhists, and any other people that don't have a Lord. Now, I can tell that some of you don't like this, and this is what I was hoping to achieve. Because you got to understand that the Jesus you're serving ain't going to help you. Unless he's your Lord. Well, if all Christians in America would agree on what God says in the Bible, how many things would be eradicated that threaten our liberties, our freedom, that threaten the liberties of our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren, and whatever generations are to come? If everybody just read the Bible and didn't give their own opinion, because understand there's 8 billion people on earth, that means 8 billion separate individual opinions about everything. At some point, you have to choose your master. Well, then, he's, the Bible says that he's a king. That means two kingdoms. Two kings. A king anoints. If you don't have a king, you're not anointed. You're just trying things. You need the anointing of a king. And for that to happen, you need to be in his kingdom. What does that mean? His kingdom. You're being very specific right now. Yeah, exactly. It's called preaching. Well, a king has subjects. There's two kingdoms. Satan is the king of one. God is the king of the other. The kingdom is divided down the middle. It's very simple to understand. God's kingdom is love. Satan's kingdom is hate. God's kingdom is freedom. Satan's kingdom is bondage. God's kingdom is truth. Satan's kingdom is lies. God's kingdom is holiness. Satan's kingdom is uncleanness and perversion, and every form of immorality. And you just go down the list like that, and then you can find out in which kingdom you're in. If you want to be anointed as a believer, you've got to have a king. You've got to choose a kingdom and live under the rules of the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Look at three or four people and say, wow, this is making me real uncomfortable right now. Praise Jesus. I, I thought I could create my own form of Christianity and have God bless it. I'll just invent a different form of Christianity, like where everybody can fornicate. We can all fornicate. Let's fornicate, everybody. I like you. You like me. And God still blesses us. Because we're covered by grace and everything is great. Be careful what kingdom you choose. Praise the Lord. Well, the Bible says God's a father, and a father nourishes, raises you, trains you, protects you, takes care of you, and loves you. When you approach your father, he reaches his arms out and takes you up. But he's also called a general. Well, a general just doesn't do that. He's not going to say, how you doing, son, and pat you on the head. He's not going to. But you've got a part that will do that. 
a dimension of God. When he's a general, he just gives out orders. He doesn't say, does your leg hurt? You have a headache. Oh, sit down. Sit this battle out because you got a headache. No, he doesn't say. He's, can you walk? Can you see? And can you shoot your gun? I don't care how you feel inside. Can you do those three things? Yes, go. Kill everybody. Wipe out all those enemies. Because he's a general, and to some of you, this is a very strange part of God that you've never met. Therefore, you are, as a soldier, a little bit dysfunctional. Because your God is one-dimensional. And to really be rich and wealthy with the riches of heaven, you have to know God in all his dimensions. He's also called a master, and a master trains an apprentice. He mentors you. Hallelujah. He's also God because you need to worship something, and he is the one to worship. So as a God, you're a worshiper. And how do you worship? What is worship? Worshiping is to obey when you don't want to. That's worship. It's not just going to church and singing hymns and then going out and doing whatever you want. So this is just level one of becoming a soldier. You have to know God. Hallelujah. Reach your hands out to your neighbor and say, wow, you're getting a lot out of this. I can, I can tell. The second important thing is that God, if you're going to be a soldier, you need to get fighting. Tell that to somebody. Get to fighting. Get to fighting. What is the last thing that attacked you and did you fight it? What is attacking you now and did you fight it? You say, well, my wife and I aren't getting along. Did you fight it? What did you do to fight it? Well, I apologize. We're reading the Bible. We're praying and we're going on a fast. That's fighting. Oh, we did nothing. She went to the other room. I went to the other room. I threw the finger at her. She threw the finger at me. We said, hallelujah. I'll see you when you're not mad anymore. She cussed me out. I cussed her out. And we just love each other like that. Haven't talked in three days, but praise be to Jesus. We'll make it. You're not fighting. You're just giving in to the devil. Your DNA is dominating your relationship. Anger, pride, stubbornness, and I don't give a holla holla about nothing because you offended me, you big baby. Praise the Lord. No, you fight. You say, okay, my wife feels unloved. I better do something about this. How does she feel unloved? What areas does she feel unloved? All areas. Well, you can be overwhelmed. You can say, wow, I've got a lot to be successful about. Like everything. Are you with me so far? Turn to somebody. You've got to fight. Soldiers fight. Are you fighting for your children? If you have your child in a school where they're teaching them wicked, ungodly things, you should take your child out of that school. And put them in a school where your children are not being indoctrinated in the ways of hell that could cost them their eternal soul. And you, who they are depending on, is the person that has to be blamed. you got to get them out of there. Say, hey, yo, whoa. You are not teaching my children that kind of stuff. So fighting. You fight your own self. You say, wow, wait a minute. I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to give in to that. That's not of God. That's of the devil. I resist that. Fighting. That's what soldiers do. 
Fight for your freedom. Fight for your blessings. Fight for your position. Fight for your destiny. Fight for God's call on your life. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your health. Fight for the health of your body. Are you fighting in the health of your body? You say, well, you know, I'm a diabetic and I eat sugar every day. That's not fighting. That's how you go into a coma. Praise the Lord. Look at someone and say, wow, this is my year to win my battles and do what God has called me to do. The second thing you do as a warrior that's very important is you learn things and you don't make the same mistake over and over again. The Bible's talk, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. Studying and learning where you have failed and been weak is one of the steps of a warrior. You step into it and you say, I'm going to learn how to love my husband. I'm going to learn how to walk by faith. I'm going to learn how to use my weapons. I'm going to learn how to discern things in the Spirit. I'm going to learn how to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and be supernatural. I'm going to learn how to interpret the Bible, read the Bible. I'm going to become a scholar of the Bible. I'm going to learn how to win souls. I'm going to master that until I'm winning souls all the time, everywhere I go, because I have learned because that's what warriors and soldiers do. They are trained in the skills of warfare. Hallelujah. You can find that in Philippians 4.9. Very, very important. Soldiers obey, and this is what makes you a soldier, is you obey the commands of your general. You don't just decide whether you're going to discuss that. What did you say, general? Why? Why do you want me to do that? Can you explain to me a little bit more? I need to get a little bit more perspective. No, God says to you, these are the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. So obeying is a very powerful tool. If you're going to win at life, and if you're going to have victory, you have to say, God, how do I talk to my husband when he acts like I've tried cussing him out. That doesn't seem to do much good. I threw a few things at him. Well, that got a little bit, but it didn't last. And then I made threats. That has scared him the most. But I realized that I'm just practicing witchcraft on him. Or on her. No, you obey. God says, I want you to love them unbiasedly. And unconditionally, no matter how they treat you, send love back. Well, no, I'm not going to do that. My God, he's more dangerous than I am. She's crazier than I am. Until she repents or he repents, I ain't repenting for nothing. Because that's conditional love. Well, in the kingdom of God, the only thing that works is unconditional love because it's not natural to give it. It's supernatural, and you can't give it unless God helps you give it. And you can't get it unless you're close to God, because if you're not close to God, you won't find it. Your DNA is too strong. Are you getting anything so far? Because I don't want to just throw a bunch of, you know, worthless worms out there. We're trying to give you something that's got milk, meat, and bread all mixed together. So hug the person next to you. 
say, would you pay me what you owe me, and give them a big hug and say, I'm sure glad you came to church today. I'm here to get my money. Daniel obeyed God everywhere. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, casting down. You see, this is what a, a soldier and a warrior does. They don't just let Satan throw stuff at them and, and just let it get stuck in their brain or stuck in their heart, arrows and spears and daggers and knives. No, they cast them down, casting down imagination, casting down the seeds of Satan, the thoughts of Satan, the ideas of Satan, the emotions of Satan, the behavior of Satan. You take it and say, I will not act like that. Bam, somebody almost hits you in the car. You, they throw the finger at you. They cuss you out, throw the F word at you. Something rises up in there. And instead you say, no, I'm not doing that. You cast it down. Take the thoughts out of your mind. I'm divorcing my husband because he's a bum. Of course he's a bum. What did you expect? Without Jesus, everybody's a bum. In different ways. So you need Jesus to be excellent. You need Jesus to be godly. You need Jesus to be self-disciplined. You need Jesus to take a shower or a bath regularly. You need Jesus to flush the toilet. You need Jesus to clean the carpet, wash the dishes, and smell good. You need Jesus. Hallelujah. Cast it down. That's what soldiers do. They cast stuff down. They don't just sit there. They say, no, I'm not going to believe that, that my wife is going to die overnight or my husband. I'm not going to believe that this disease is going to kill him. I'm going to fight for it. We're going to stand by faith. We're going to declare this is not right. And you fight. You fight. And you use the things God has given you. Very important. Peter got bit. Paul got bit by a snake in Acts 28, verses 4 through 6. And what did he do? He got bit, and then he shook it off. Where he shook it off is the secret. It's not just shaking it off. It's where you shake it off. He shook it off in the fire. You see, when you got a serpent hanging on you, poisoning you you got to get as close to the fire of God as you can get you got to get right in the middle of revival right in the middle of the Holy Ghost and you got to shake those lying devils in your brain right out with the fire of the burning presence and glory of Almighty God and that snake will just will just wither up in the fire where there is no fire the serpents reign and rule because a serpent cannot handle the fire of God. That's why pastor tells you, lift your hands. Lift your, lift your hands. Go ahead, lift your hands. Why? Why are you lifting your hands? That's a sign of surrender to God. It's also a sign of victory. If your team wins the Super Bowl, your hands go up. So you lift your hands, not because it's some kind of religious practice. You do it because that's what people who serve God do. Here, Lord, I surrender. And here, God, I already know I have the victory. And you just lift your hands to worship God and tell him, I belong to you. It's instinctive to lift your hands. If your child scores a touchdown, you don't go. Oh. No, you lift your hands, you take off running down the field, you scream. If the umpire makes a bad call, what are you doing, you son of a motherless goat? That was it.
look at someone and say, I thought you needed help. It's really worse than I thought. No. <laughs> James 4, 6, 7, and 8. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. What does a warrior do? He submits to God. How many times have you wanted to do something crazy, and you just said, Lord, I really want to do this. It's crazy. I know you're not in this, but I really want to do it. And then he says, are you going to submit to me? Yes, Lord. I love you more than I love that. Look at someone and say, submit to God. Now, it's not your job as a husband to tell your wife to submit to you. That's not actually your job. That's God's job. It's your job to make it easy for her to submit to you and make it easy for you to submit to her. Because if you think marriage is all one way, you have lost your mind. You are living in some kind of cocoon in la-la land. These women of today are different. They can be meek and mild in public, and then when they're at home, the brooms come out, all kinds of stuff. What'd you say? And if you're a macho man, then you get in a fight and everything explodes. Or you both submit to God, resist the devil, and he leaves your house. Come on, everybody lift your hands and say, I will submit to God. I will not smoke pot anymore. Come on, lift your hands. No more cocaine. No more Bud Light. And no more Jack Daniels. From this day forward, I submit to the Bible, which is the will of God. No more fornicating, chasing women, chasing men, or chasing both of them. From now on, I resist the devil, and he will flee from me. Where is the devil in your life? How close is he to you? What crazy things has he told you to do? Resist the devil, and he will flee. That's what a soldier does. They resist the devil in every aspect of life, and they put their foot down, and at some point they say these words. The curses end here. The chain of addiction and bondage ends here. They will not be passed on to my children, and they will not be passed on to my grandchildren. From this day forward, I break the curse of alcoholism over my family, and none of my children will be alcoholics. We are drying up the county that we live in. Now, if you like whiskey and beer, then this should make you feel uncomfortable. But that's the idea. You're in church. Oh, I can handle it. It's no big deal. It's not about you handling. It's about the generations after you who may have an addictive piece of their DNA that all they have to smell is liquor and they'll get drunk and stay that way for 30 years. Just because you can overcome a desire doesn't mean your sons and daughters and grandchildren will be able to. Hallelujah. The curse has to stop somewhere, and you have to make up your mind. Who wants blessed children? Who wants blessed grandchildren? Don't blame it on legalism. Don't blame holiness on legalism. Holiness is not you trying to be moral. 
Holiness is when you encounter God in such a way that he takes the desires out of you to do bad things. It's no longer a battle. It's not even a temptation. When you reach holiness, the battle is over. It's only in the journey of morality that you have to fight with your will. But once you hit holiness, it's over. The battle's over. He removed the desire for those things right out of your heart. It's not wearing something on your head or long pants or no pants or long dresses or no makeup or anything. That's all foolishness. I mean, you don't want to walk around naked either, but you know what I'm talking about. Give somebody a high five and say, I knew he'd say something about you before the day was over. <laughs> say it, resist the devil. Didn't Jesus do that when he resisted in the Garden of Eden and sweat blood from the resisting? Some of you look at a piece of pie, there's no resistance. It's like, and our DNA loves it. We dive in. Cinnabon passes you and you're fasting. You're on the third day of a fast and you go, oh, Jesus, I believe I've accomplished what the Lord wanted. And I'm breaking my fast today with this Cinnabon. Or you could pass a Mexican restaurant with giant burritos. Famous burritos, the size of your leg. And you say, I'm breaking my fast because I just feel like I've accomplished. All this would be legalism from now on is me just operating in the flesh. Could I have a giant burrito, the biggest one you have? If you eat a giant burrito with hot sauce after four days, you are going to have diarrhea so bad. I just thought I would tell you that. There are many more points, but I'm going to end with this last one. Understand that you as a Christian are being prepared as a soldier and a warrior. There is no other preparation. There's no preparation for relaxation. The rest God gives you is inward. Inward. Inside, there's no battle. That's rest. Inside, there's no fear. That's rest. Inside, there's no anger, no offense, no bitterness, no depression, no cynicism, no skepticism, no doubt, no unbelief. Inside you, all that is brought to a place of rest and peace. And then your body benefits from it. Because when you're good on the inside, your body will begin to reflect it. But when your insides are being chewed up by bitterness and unforgiveness and hurt and wounds, it spreads into the cells. It spreads into your body because it is foreign to your body to be under stress of that type of fear that it causes radical reactions of the human body. Peace lowers your blood pressure. Fearlessness gives you strength and you're able to rest in peace at night without anxiety, worry, or fear. Because when you are afraid, you are tormented. Praise the Lord. And all of you know what I'm talking about because you live what I'm saying. The last point for this morning is these words found in 2 Samuel 
chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. It says, the Lord told David, after going through a big battle, the enemy stole the families and the children, the wives and the children of the, of the soldiers. Stole them all. David came back. He freaked out. He said, wow. Where's my wives? Where are all my children? And all of them said it. The enemy had taken them. And David was about to get stoned by all the other guys. And he said it, he encouraged himself. And he said, Lord, shall I pursue them? And he gave him this beautiful statement. Pursue, for surely you will overtake and recover all. Everybody say that. Pursue, overtake, and recover all. What does a soldier do? What does a warrior do? When Satan steals something from you, when he kills something or destroys something, what does a soldier and a warrior do? They start pursuing. They overtake. And they get everything back. Listen to my words. Seven times better than they had before. Turn to two people and say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. See, a soldier has to chase the enemy. We don't go hide and let the enemy attack us and we hide in a defensive posture. We attack. That's what they did all through the book of Joshua. They attacked. Never does it say they waited and got attacked. It always says they attacked. They went after every piece of land that God had promised them. All the territory, all the blessings, all the milk and all the honey and all the fruit of that promised land, and all the treasures, and all the silver, and all the gold, and they pursued it, they went after it, and they killed giant after giant after giant after giant until they possessed the entire promised land. They overtake, overtook, and recovered all. Put your hand on your chest and say these words. Today, I begin to pursue I begin to overtake, and I'm going to start recovering everything. Have you lost property? Why don't you believe God to give you back seven times what you had before? Have you lost land? Have you lost health? Have you lost relationships? Why don't you believe God that he'll give you seven times better than you had before? Seven times richer than you had before. Seven levels of greater contentment and happiness and fulfillment than you had before. Because that is what a soldier does. And if you're not a soldier, you will hear my words today and forget them by tomorrow. Because you are lazy. And laziness is a curse. That's why you're lazy, because you have a curse resting on you that needs to be broken. Hallelujah. Look at someone next to you and say, I am pursuing the money you owe me right now. I'm going to overtake, and I want 7% interest after this message. Oh, praise be to Jesus. What a great church. 
In a moment, we're going to have communion, as pastor's going to have communion in a minute. But before we do that, let's get positioned in the right place by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. What is going to change after this morning? Whatever message I preached to you, whatever sense it made or whatever sense it did not make, you have choices to make. Those choices are very important. You have choices to make on deepening your relationship with God. You have choices to make on changing your attitude about God, about the Bible, and about your personal discipline with God. You have to make a decision whether you want to stay in depression or get out of it. Do you want to keep having the same losses that you've had in the past repeat themselves? Or is there a point when the losses can stop and the gains can manifest? You've got to decide. You've got to ask yourself if you like your marriage the way it is. Because you can't just throw it away. If you don't like it, then you've got to pursue. You've got to overtake. And you've got to believe God to give you seven levels better than it was before. What do you think? Look at two people and say, I love what you're saying. This person over here really needs that. I've been praying for them for a long time. Thank God they showed up in church today. <laughs> That's how we tend to deflect God aiming for our heart. Put on number two. Everybody listen to this. There is a day that is approaching. And I will say this to you prophetically. There is a day approaching where the shallow and casual will not survive what this world will bring. At this moment, all over the world, the church is being redefined and redesigned. If you're casual, you're going to get swallowed up and devoured. If you're radical, the Bible says, the greater the night, the brighter the light. The light is coming in a way that we've never seen before. But you must be a soldier, not somebody sitting on a bench spectating. Hallelujah. Raise your hands and say, praise you, Jesus. Oh, glory be to God. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. He is preparing me for battle. For the battle is already won. The victory is already mine. I now have to take it by force and bring it in to my family and my life. Amen. No more lack of Bible reading. That's got to stop, everybody. You've got to stop that. Get a Bible that you enjoy reading, but you've got to start familiarizing yourself with God's mind and start memorizing scriptures in areas where you are weak. Start doing that. And then start find someone to talk with about the Bible that you're equal. A girlfriend if you're a girl, a boyfriend if you're, not boyfriend, a, a, a friend if you're a man. Find someone that you can share the scripture with. 
You understand what I'm saying? Don't get all queerish on me. But anyway, uh, <laughs> think about the things of the Holy Spirit. When you are walking with God, you cannot walk alone. You need the help of other people. So you find help, and that group of people lift you up. Don't, don't, don't do the regular, I never read the Bible. I'm just going to watch TV till I drop. I'm just going to go work till I drop. No, 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 no. Bring God in. Say, I need to change some things. Maybe in your marriage. Is that, is that uh, music not working? You, you, you have to decide to fix things. Fix things. And you say, well, I'm too hurt. There's too much pain. I can't really do it. You can. You can pray. You can talk. You can throw it out there. But at the very least, if the person and people you're with will not cooperate, God will give you individual peace where it doesn't matter what they do. You will have the peace of God for having done what God told you. Amen? This is an army. We're marching forward. Tonight, we're going to give you seven more weapons that you need to use as a soldier and a warrior to defeat the enemies that come against you. At this moment, I would like you to close your eyes in order to put aside the distractions of the people around you, not for a religious reason, but simply to shut out distractions. The Holy Spirit has been here all morning. He's going to be here again tonight. What time? 6.30. Take a day and say, today is my sacred and holy day. Morning and night, I'm going to sit under the Word and allow God to change me, equip me, and empower me. Ask yourself if what you want to do in the afternoon is of any spiritual benefit. So my thoughts and God's thoughts go to your soul. Your soul is the most valuable thing that you have. There is nothing more valuable than an eternal soul because there's no price that can be put on eternal soul because it's priceless because it's eternal. No one permanently dies. They just leave their human body. And then they either go to heaven or they go to hell. So your soul has to be managed by you. You, while living on earth, have the authority to decide where your soul goes. You have the authority to decide whether your soul goes to heaven or whether it goes to hell. That is your choice. You get to make that decision. You can decide whether your soul goes to where your mother's soul went, to heaven. Or maybe a child that you lost in a miscarriage that are all waiting for you. Taking lightly the value of your soul is very dangerous. 
the only way for you to properly manage your soul is to guarantee that your eternal soul will end up in heaven. And God says you can actually know that. 100% you can know that you will go to heaven when you die. So you have to decide what is intelligent and what is foolish. Is it intelligent to guarantee that when you die, your soul will go to heaven? Or foolish? Is that something you want to take a chance on doing by not believing? So this is my question. Can you say that you are 100% sure without any doubts whatsoever that if you died today, you would go to heaven? Are you able to be honest enough with yourself and say, I don't know, I'm not sure? What is the honest answer? Do you want to go to heaven? And if God owns that power to send you to heaven or hell, if God owns that power and he alone can give you the peace and security in your heart, that you will go to heaven when you die. Do you want God to give you that today and put it in your heart so that there's no doubt that when you die, you're going straight to heaven? So here's my question. Do you want God to give you that peace and put it in your heart? You can't buy it. No, no human being can give it to you. It only comes from God. So here's my question to you. And here's what I want you to do. If you want God to do that, I'm going to ask you to do something very simple right where you're sitting. All that I want you to do right now, right there where you're at, is if you want God to do that, all I want you to do right now is lift your hand right now high enough for me to see, and then I'm going to pray for you, and God is going to do that miracle. Oh, my gosh. Look at all the hands going up, Lord, right now. Stretch them out where God can see it. And do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. Jesus hung naked on a cross without shame for you and in your place. I would like everybody lifting their hand to stand up right there where you're at and let us pray and get this right right now before anything else happens. Quickly come to jump to your feet. I'm going to pray for you. God is going to do his miracle and it is going to change your life. Everyone who lifted their hand, stand to your feet. We're going to pray for you right now. If you're standing, would you look at me for one minute? Can I have your permission to pray for you? Sir, ma'am, can I have your permission? Can I have your permission and yours? May I lead you in this prayer? All of you over here, may I pray for you? Would you do this favor for me? Would you come up for a second? I won't make you say anything to anyone. I just want to look at your eyes and lead you in this prayer. Give them a hand as they come over here. Just leave your seat. I'd like you to clap as if your own father, mother, Son, daughter, 
brother, sister was coming up. For some of these people, it's their first walk across the bridge from darkness to light. Others are saved with doubts, and God is removing those. But our job, before we have communion, is to make sure all things are right. Hallelujah. Do not despise the service going a little long because you're not used to it. Understand that these are special times. If God wasn't moving, we wouldn't do anything. But if someone getting right with God is not God moving, then there's no God moving. This is as good as it gets. Now I want you guys that know them to stretch your hands out towards them. Whoever it is you know, stretch your hands out towards them. This is how you say, I'm sending you my blessing. Here are the two things that are about to happen. The first thing is that you are going to be forgiven. Everything sin will be left unforgiven. Everything will end. The rap sheet is being torn up. The crimes are being exonerated. And the prison sentence ends. prison sentence for you. No years of guilt, shame, torment, self-loathing. That ends today. God did it. The second thing God is going to do, which allows you to have a relationship is He will forget what you did. When you look at God after the not only is he forget, forgiving, he's also erasing all of that information from his mind. He is wiping his mind clean so that when you look in his eyes, it's not someone who knows what you did because it has been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Without those two things happening, have a relationship with God as a new person. You're always referring back to your past. So here's my word to you. Your past will not determine your future. Can you all say it to them? going to give you this opportunity to not miss God in your life out of pride or fear or embarrassment whatever it might be and if you're one of those two people and you say you know I'm not sure I should 
should have brought up. I didn't. I'm asking you now, make the best decision in your life. Like these people have made. And stand up and walk over and say, God, I need to get right with you. I need to get right with you. I'm going to wait for just a minute and then I'm going to go on. But I know that you're there. And God knows that you're there. And you're important enough to wait for me. You ready? If that's you, you need to come on up. Otherwise, everybody stretch your hands. Satan's plan. I reject the devil. I accept Jesus. Now I repent for my sins. I don't want to do that again. And I don't want to be that person anymore. Dear God, will you forgive me now? I ask for forgiveness. Will you now, God, erase it from your memory? And forget it forever. Put it in a lost and found that can never be found. Put it in a graveyard that nobody knows. Bury it there so that it never accuses me again. I now invite Jesus to come and live in my heart until the day I die. I will follow you. Serve you loyally and faithfully. I will become your disciple, not a casual follower, all the days of my life. Wash me in the blood that Jesus shed at Calvary. Make me my Now, God, I forgive all the people that have damaged me. As you forgive me. said, if I don't forgive, then you can't forgive me. So I forgive them and let them go. I also forgive myself. and gentlemen of the jury these are the men and women and children that have been forgiven they're on their way to heaven their doubts have been erased and the devil is defeated in their lives the devil is defeated in their lives now turn back this this way I will pronounce these blessings and then I will turn it over to Pastor. Because I am a servant of the Lord, I'm a priest of the Lord. It's not a boast, but I do. I've done this for 50 years, this is all I do. So I am saying that I have been given by God, as any believer has, the authority to bless people. 
So this is my first blessing. I break all the curses of your family tree on the people. And nothing they have done will you do. No disease will be passed in your genes. And no behavior will rule over your life. I break those curses in Jesus' name. Secondly, I bless you with the ability to love God, to know God, and to walk with God. Thirdly, I bless you with the power to become the person God created and to live for God all the days of your life until you die and to bring healing and peace to all the members of your family and all the strangers God will put you in contact with. And my last blessing is I release in you all the gifts God has given you that you don't know about. Every gift that you are created to function in, you will find those gifts, you will function in those gifts, and you will be successful in this life. Poverty is now broken over you for the rest of your life. In the name of Jesus. Everybody out there said, praise God. Thank you, guys. God bless you. You may be seated as we're going to have communion, and that's the icing on the cake. Pastor Robert is coming up to take care of that. Thank you, everybody. Praise God. What an amazing service. Listen, so we're going to do something. I know you guys are, are multitaskers, and you can handle this. So what I want you to do is, and just believe me, And the greatest thing you can do is sow into his ministry. I don't care if it's a nickel. I don't care you know, what the amount is. It's not that. But it's giving is something that connects you to. Okay? So what I want you to do, I want you to get your offerings that you want to give to Brother Ivan. And then here in just a minute as we're going to take communion, the ushers, you're going to have to be multitaskers too. Because you're going to need to come down the aisle with a bucket. And then help the people get out. As you come up to communion, you can just put your offering in the bucket. That way we don't have to go sit down. So you can do it. You can do it. You're multitasking. You can handle two things at once. Amen? Everybody say, we can do it. We won't make things too confusing. You know, it's just like anything. You know, the sack runs out there, and then the cow won't go through the gate because they saw something or a shadow or something. So uh, get your offerings going. Can I have my prayer uh, team and I knew at the first of the, uh, we were going to do praise worship. The first of the, the Holy Ghost is said, no, don't do it the first two at the end. And, and I argued with him. And I said, I was going to give up. Do what he said. Because I knew it was going to be something beautiful like this. And y'all can have an experience now. scriptures tell us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed that he took bread and that he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said now take and eat for this is my body which is broken for you and do this in remembrance of me so Lord today we take the body of Christ what you shed what you did on the cross for us Jesus your broken body so that we could be whole we take it today and by faith we eat and we thank you Lord God that you 
Take our brokenness and put it all back together. In Jesus' name. And then likewise, after that, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant. It's poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. So, Lord, we thank you for this cup and what it is. The forgiveness of our sins and a new relationship and covenant with you. So today, by faith, Lord, as we come forth and we drink of this cup and partake of this communion, I thank you, Lord God, that our sins are forgiven. That we walk away white and cleanest. If I have a Lord, testimony, in Jesus. If I have anything at all, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. His faithful hand has held me all this way. And when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth, let it be known in you my joy was found. Oh, my joy, my joy. Let my children tell their children. everything you need from the Lord right now. Where our prayer team's up here if you need prayer for anything else. And just let the Lord bless you right now.
Jesus. His faithful hand has held me all this way. And when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth, let it be known in you my joy was found. could tell a story If my life would sing a song If I have a testimony If I have anything at all His faithful hand has held me all this way And when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth Let it be known in you My joy was found Oh my joy, my joy Let my children tell their children Let this be their memory That all my treasure was in heaven And you were everything to me
are glad you came. Well, we're going to be back here at 6.30 tonight, flowing in the Holy Ghost, have another service, and so I got Brother Ivan said, make it a plan. We still got our prayer team up here if you need prayer for anything, but I want to pray for you. God bless you. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name that as we leave this building, as we go out today, I thank you, Lord, that the power of the Holy Ghost just stays upon us all. Lord, that, that convicting power on the inside of us to be a soldier for you. I declare, Lord God, that these people are the greatest people on the face of the earth. They are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. And, Lord, they're going to accomplish everything that you have for their will in their life. So, Lord, bless them as they go. And I thank you. Bring us back together again this evening, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Mm -hmm.